The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Thursday, April the 16th, 2020. Elton John with Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. Easy for me to say. And that is a tribute to New York City and New Yorkers. And I start this edition of The Politocrat on this Thursday with that song as a tribute to all of the healthcare workers, the frontline workers in New York in the United States and all around the world who are up day and night, who are not getting sleep, who are not with their families, who are not able to hug and touch their loved ones and who are on the front lines and who really are the last line of defense here against a vicious virus that is really literally killing hundreds of thousands of people and now in the United States well over 30,000 people we're now by the time I probably finish recording this we're going to be past 35,000 people and this virus is just getting worse it's just getting started I want to also dedicate that song from Elton John, one of his classics. Gives me goosebumps listening to that, especially now. And I'm a huge Elton John fan. But I want to also dedicate that to Michael Che. And for those of you who don't know, Michael Che is an actor, he's a comedian, he is somebody who, if you watch Saturday Night Live regularly, you will see him on the weekend update among other things on Saturday Night Live. He is um, he's very funny. And I don't watch Saturday Night Live often these days because I think its best days have passed. But Michael Che really has opened his heart amidst this crisis that we're all going through in different ways and feeling in different ways. It's hitting us in different ways. Michael Che 
lost his grandmother to COVID-19. And he went on Instagram at Che Thinks, that's Che, C-H-E, Thinks, T-H-I-N-K-S. You can find him on Instagram. So far, at least as I am recording this, this is the only thing he's posted to that account, which he may have just started or he um, just hasn't posted anything until now. And this is what he says. It's crazy to me that residents of public housing are still expected to pay their rent when so many New Yorkers can't even work. Obviously, I can't offer much help by myself, but in the spirit and memory of my late grandmother, I'm paying one month's rent for all 160 apartments in the New York City Housing Authority building she lived in. I know that's just a drop in the bucket. So I really hope the city has a better plan for debt forgiveness for all the people in public housing. At the very least. P.S. De Blasio, Cuomo, Diddy, let's fix this. Page me. Che. That's from Michael Che. A beautiful, heartfelt gesture. And that's my dedication, that song from Elton John, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's, to all of the people I've mentioned who are the engine and the heart of this country and the world right now, and always have been. And I want to say thank you to Michael Che and thank you to all of those individuals out there. And I'm going to spend a bit more time in this episode talking about what is going on with nurses. And speaking of nurses, I do also want to pay respects to the late nurse in London, one of the latest to pass away from COVID-19. Her name was Mary Agia Agipong. She died in London yesterday after contracting COVID-19. She was pregnant. She's a nurse. She was pregnant. And she died giving birth. Her baby thankfully survived. But sadly, Mary Agipong, just 28 years of age, has passed away after contracting COVID-19. Very, very sad indeed. She worked in Luton and Dunstable University Hospital for five years. And she died on Sunday, actually, after testing positive for this virus. And this is really horrible. COVID-19 is the disease. The virus is coronavirus. So my sincere and deep condolences to the family of Mary Agapon. She is from Ghana, was from Ghana. And there is a fundraiser being set up in her name for her husband and daughter who has survived her. And it was set up for £2,000. Now it has raised, so far, at least more than £20,000. So I hope that people can give more. I plan to donate to that. Um, fund for her and you know black women and I've talked about this and more needs to be we need to hear Joe Biden talking about it, and I'm going to be tweeting him about this too start to talk about black people and their health outcomes because we've already seen we've already seen with this coronavirus how it is killing this COVID-19 is killing Black people disproportionately in this country and in others, three, four, five, six times the rate of their numbers in the population, of their percentage in the populations in many of these cities and states. And black women are more likely to die in childbirth, six times more likely to die in childbirth than white women are. 
And if you want to contrast to the very sad story of Mary Agiapong, just 28 years old, who died, but her baby was able to survive. She got a C-section and the baby's life was saved. The contrast is in New York City, speaking of New York, where a white woman had given birth and she was actually on Anderson Cooper uh, on CNN during the morning hours yesterday. And Anderson Cooper was interviewing her and this particular woman was in a coma and she gave birth while in a coma and it was an induced coma to deal with the COVID-19 that she had contracted. And she was able to give birth and able to obviously survive since she was being interviewed by Anderson Cooper. Now, I just point that out. Now, I'm very happy, of course, that this particular woman in New York um, obviously was able to survive and, and give birth as well. That's terrific. I am not, of course, I'm not impugning that. I am very happy that she was able to. But I am offering this story of this particular woman, this white woman in New York City, as a contrast to the black woman in London who was pregnant, a nurse who was pregnant and who had COVID-19 and died giving childbirth and her, and her giving birth, you know, died while her baby was able to survive. That is one of the starkest contrasts, but it's a very real contrast of what we are dealing with here when we talk about black women and health outcomes, particularly when it comes to childbirth. We've, I've told you the story and you already know the story about Serena Williams when she was going through situations with her child trying to give birth and when she had those situations going on and how she had to beg people when she had the issues going on with the uh, pulmonary embolism situation where she had to beg doctors. The childbirth was a very rocky one for Serena Williams. And she almost died. And she is Serena Williams. And if she didn't do what she did to save her own life by while being tethered to all of these tubes and, and wires, she wouldn't be here right now. So I do want to emphasize this issue. It is a very important issue. Black women and their health outcomes. This must be addressed by Joe Biden. But we all also need to be aware of this. We need to be calling our congressmen and women. We need to be calling our senators and emphasizing this. What are you doing to address this issue? Especially this issue. You've got black men, and I talked about this also, with, uh, with the highest rates of prostate cancer in the country. These things must be addressed. 202 225-3121. This virus is killing black people in America, left, right, and center. And this is very, very real. Give me more than one career. 
The incomparable Nina Simone with Wild is the Wind. Nina Simone, oh my goodness, the High Priestess of Soul. Welcome back to this edition of The Politocrat. So I want to get into some headlines before going on, and there's a lot in the news. I'm sure that you are aware of some of it, but if you're not, and whether you are or not, I am going to just mention just a few of the things that are going on right now and have gone on in the last, well, 12 hours or so, 12 to 24 hours, at least at the time that I am recording this on this Thursday, April the 16th, 2020. Another 5 million people filed for unemployment in the U.S. last week. That figure was released today by the Labor Department. And that is now, over the last month, 22 million jobs lost in the United States. And according to NPR, that's 10 years of job growth almost gone. In just four weeks. That is Great Depression era. That's what that is. We we are utterly in that realm now. Unemployment in the Great Depression, the Great Republican Depression, as it was initially called, because Herbert Hoover, the Republican president, was in power and was turning his back on all of this depression in the U.S. back in the 1920s and early 30s. And Herbert Hoover, by the way, got waxed at his re-election bid by FDR. Let that be a lesson almost 100 years later, Donald Trump, because I think it's going to happen again this November. The unemployment rate was around, I guess, it was about, what, 23%, 25% back in the, in the Great Depression era. We're, we're going to shatter that. We're going to obliterate that. It's going to be at least 35% of the country, if not more. And 22 million jobs lost over the last month. And that is, again, people who are able to get through to get to claim benefits. Because all these websites are still jammed and the, you know, the infrastructure as usual, as I've said, is, is not where it should be. It's absolutely decimated and you can't keep up with the demand in these states. Gavin Newsom, by the way, another piece of news, announced yesterday the governor of California, who I've been critical of in, in, in some instances, as you may well know if you are a regular listener to the politocrat. Governor Newsom, to his credit, announced Naturally, I guess he would have to, right? That uh, he announced yesterday that they were going to extend hours for those who are trying to claim unemployment benefits. So instead of it being eight o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock in the afternoon, he announced that they were going to extend that from eight o'clock in the morning to 8 p.m. So 12 hours. And the state of California had actually cut back on these departments because, of course, the budget, they were cash strapped. We had a huge shortfall here in California. This stuff happened for years. You know, there was the recall of Gray Davis 
And then you had Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I don't think he was very much better. Although he was trying to a, to a degree, he made war with the nurses. And I'm going to get to the nurses again. I've already talked about one nurse who passed away in London. But this is what's been going on. So in at least in California, Governor Newsom announced yesterday that they are expanding the hours. They're getting uh, taking state employees from one department and putting them in to the, uh, the, the, the benefits department and having people out in California try to get in and get benefits. So that's one thing there. Again, we are in depression era. The IMF have said this. I have said this. Many people have said this. And here's another story. The Small Business Paycheck Protection Program. Remember that as part of this $2 trillion cares package? Well, here's the news. The Small Business Paycheck Protection Program has run out of money. That was announced today. Mnuchin and company. I'll be mentioning Steve Mnuchin's name again in a very few short minutes. This was the vaunted Paycheck Protection Program that was so vaunted, it got hardly any protection in that bill relative to the fat cats that had a quarter of that bill's allocation and then some. It turns out that that $2 trillion care package has not really done too well for many people. It has helped the airline union. It has helped some of their employees, a lot of their employees, and they had to beat down the door of Steve Mnuchin to get that to happen. So that's a good thing. It has helped some, but there's still so many people who it has not really helped yet at all, not even close. And now the Small Business Paycheck Protection Program, this is the program that I talked about in a previous episode last week of this podcast. And I said that there's news all over this country of small businesses who are trying to get paycheck protection. And they were being told by banks like Wells Fargo, oh, that wonderful institution, Wells Fargo, that was scamming its customers. That institution and other banks were telling them, no, we don't recognize the fact that you bank and that you're a business. I'm sorry. In the words of public enemy, can't do nothing for you, man. That's what a lot of these businesses were being told. Some of them have been chronicled on the news, on television. Some of them have been chronicled in print articles. And now that particular program that was already failing many small businesses in this country is now run out of money. Really? Well, where did that money go to? I mean, if you've got Donald Trump out there accusing nurses and doctors of stealing masks that he shipped off to China in February of this year, where has this money gone? Did Donald Trump steal it? Did Steve Mnuchin, who has unfettered discretion over a lot of this money, did he steal it? I mean, you've got Steve Mnuchin out here telling you that a $1,200 check should last you 10 weeks. He actually said that. The Treasury Secretary, the billionaire Treasury Secretary, who once flashed a whole load of dollar bills freshly minted printed and he's posing with this sheet of bills i don't know if it was dollar bills it was probably hundreds hundred dollar bills and he's posing with it grinning from ear to ear that's your treasury secretary telling you that twelve hundred dollar stimulus check oh that should last you 10 weeks So $120 a week for the next 10 weeks. You've got a family of four. You've got bills to pay that cost, of course, more than $120. You've got rent to pay. You've got groceries to buy. You've got light bills to take care of. And you're going to live on $120 a week. Good luck. But that's what the arrogance of people like Steve Mnuchin exemplifies. Oh, oh, and by the way, 
That $1,200 check that he said that should last you 10 weeks. Many of you didn't even get it yet. You didn't get your check. There are glitches in the system. Glitches. That's the other story of the day. You got punked. You got punked. Washington Post. Glitches prevent checks from reaching millions. Several million people who filed their taxes via H&R Block, TurboTax and popular services, other popular services were unable to get their payments. Some parents reported that they didn't get the $500 promised for their dependent children. You know, this Steve Mnuchin guy, let me tell you something about someone else about him. This guy was once called the king of foreclosures in California. Right here in this state that I reside in. The king of foreclosures. Well, why? Because he scammed Californians and they were forced by him to foreclose in this big scheme of his. And you know what else? Kamala Harris, who was the California attorney general at the time that Steve Mnuchin was running riot with these scams and forcing these foreclosures on people, scamming them out of their homes. Steve Mnuchin, the king of California foreclosures, was met by California attorney general Kamala Harris. You know what? Kamala Harris declined to prosecute him. And now, here he is as the U.S. Treasury Secretary. He who scams California scams the U.S. entire. Carpenters with We've Only Just Begun. Whoa, Karen Carpenter, one of the greats, and, um, you know, she is no longer with us, but my goodness me, um, a wonderful voice, and we have only just begun. You know, this is we are going to continue to fight back here, and the way we do that is to safeguard each other, safeguard ourselves, safeguard each other and allow ourselves to feel, allow ourselves to be afraid and also allow ourselves to mobilize and be clear about what we need to do this November. Obviously that is to vote out this 
monstrosity who's running around destroying this country and, quite frankly, killing thousands of people in it. And we also have to make sure that we mobilize and support democratic politicians in every respect. Except those, of course, that endorse Donald Trump like that one politician did in Georgia this week. But aside from him, let's get behind all of these Democratic Senate challengers. I mean, you had the Lincoln Project this week write an op-ed through George Conway and others in the Lincoln Project, Rick Wilson and others, who are Republicans who penned an op-ed in the Washington Post saying that you know they they've never endorsed a Repub- uh, they've never endorsed a Democrat before for president, but we must get rid of the guy in the White House, and so they are endorsing Joe Biden, and I think that's good. Quite frankly, it's a no-brainer. Any Republican who is worth his or her salt these days, any Republican worth his or her salt, should be doing that. Should be voting for Joe Biden this November. That's a no-brainer. I think what George Conway, who of course is the husband of Kellyanne Conway, it'll be very interesting to see if their holy union survives all of this. And I actually think it will, despite some people saying the contrary. I think they will survive. I think this is probably an example of good cop, bad cop. The good cop is uh, George Conway, who I think really does care about this country and I think is very sincere about this. The bad cop obviously is Kellyanne Conway, who is being paid a lot of money to do the job that she's doing, to really uh, kiss the feet, shall we say, the stinky, murderous, murderous feet of the guy in the White House. But I guess my, my question for George Conway and those at the Lincoln Project or Project Lincoln whichever it is called, is if you are endorsing Joe Biden, the Democrat for president, by definition, shouldn't you also be endorsing the Democratic challengers of the at least 20 Republican senators who are running this November, who also voted to acquit the guy in the White House at that sham impeachment trial back in February? I think that would make even more sense, wouldn't it? By definition, you would think that that would be the logical thing. Now, my message or my advice, not that they want it, but my advice, not that they would care about it, to the Lincoln Project or Project Lincoln and to George Conway is to pen an op-ed backing all of these Democrats who are challenging these Republican senators There's at least 20 Republican senators running for re-election. All of them voted to acquit and they acquitted Donald Trump, each and every one of them. My suggestion is to the Lincoln Project and to George Conway, Project Lincoln, whatever the title of your organization is, is to back and endorse all of these challenges. Amy McGrath in Kentucky. Jamie Harrison in South Carolina. Mark Kelly in Arizona. George Hickenlooper in Colorado. I can go on and on and on. Why don't you back these candidates and publicly do so? You may be doing it behind the scenes, but why don't you do it publicly? Pen and op-ed supporting these democratic challenges as well. Because it's all well and good. I mean, Trump is an easy, obvious target. And yes, we should all be invested in making sure that he's not in the White House after January of next year. We all have to mobilize behind that effort. 
But I also think it's important, as important, to make sure that these Republican senators are gone from the political scene. And we retire them to their cotton patches. So back these Democratic challenges. And that goes for anybody listening to this. We have only just begun in this country and we will get through this. It's painful. It's difficult. But we will get through this. Have you cried yet? Have you cried yet during this pandemic? You know, the moment for me was when that CNN commercial, and I admit I've been watching CNN lately, a little bit. I'm not a fan of the corporate news media, but I have been watching CNN lately, just a little bit, not a lot. And there's this commercial that always comes on and and it pays tribute to the frontline workers and the grocery store workers and the nurses and the doctors and all of the people out there who are really putting their lives on the line. The people who are poorer, the people who are really living in adverse circumstances, but yet are risking their lives to save lives. And it gets to that moment in the commercial right at the end where you see this photograph of these three doctors, three doctors. I believe they may, must be, they may be doctors. It could be nurses, but three doctors, I think, wearing their blue uh, outfits and surgical protection and they're hugging each other. And that was the moment that I lost it. And I'd seen that ad so long, but there was something about the other day And I saw that ad and I just couldn't hold it together anymore. I know at least two people also who have come down with this virus. And I suspect that you know some people as well who have. You may know some people who've lost their lives to it. And in these times, we have to, and I've said this often, we must practice compassion, empathy, love, respect, and consideration for each other. When we go to grocery stores, I know it's difficult because, of course, there are people in a mad frenzy and a rush to get things, but let's Be more considerate of people. And let's hope, I hope that that continues after this pandemic is over. Quite frankly. That is my wish. That's my hope. I mean, I remember going to the grocery store recently and, you know, there's someone behind me. She's sneezing and coughing. And the first time she didn't even put her sneeze into her elbow. Not wearing a mask, not wearing gloves. And finally, I looked around at her. I looked around and she finally, next time she sneezed, she did sneeze into her elbow and she sneezed again after that. That's a person who should not be walking into a grocery store. I know you need food. But if you're going to walk into a grocery store and you're sneezing, could you please wear a mask at least? Could you please wear some gloves? And there's a sign saying in the grocery store saying, look, you know, don't come in here if you have a fever or a cough. Or cold. She went in. And I was thinking, you know, I'm standing in front of her. I'm six feet ahead of her. And she's kind of trying to encroach towards me. And I have to keep looking back at her to make sure that she stays on the six foot marker that's been drawn out for all of us to stand six feet apart from the previous or person in front of us and behind us. I was thinking, should I have said something to the grocery store person standing at the entrance that the person behind me has been sneezing? Maybe I should have said something. Would you have said something? Just a thought.
Other news. Home construction in the U.S. in March was down 22.3%, obviously related to the coronavirus that was reported by the Associated Press, who also, well, the Washington Post reported something as well about uh, coronavirus. In Kenya, police have killed at least 12 people. Kenya. On the African continent, in the eastern part of the African continent, Kenya, people have been killed by the police. Police have killed at least 12 people during a curfew crackdown regarding the coronavirus. You're not in your home. You're not in your hut. You're not in your home. You're your fragile, humble abode where 70 of you are living. Well, if we catch you out on the streets, we're going to kill you. The deadliest place on earth enforcing this crackdown is in Kenya right now on the African continent. That story is in the Washington Post. And that number, according to some of the people in Kenya, is an estimate, a conservative one. The reports are apparently in Kenya that the death toll is far more, the murder toll. Police are just killing, they're executing civilians in Kenya because they're out on the street. Is this really what we want? I don't think so. I don't think that's even a a question for debate. That is what you have when you have a police state. And that's why I'm somewhat conflicted about this idea that we should have a total lockdown. You know, I've been in favor of it because we need to stop the spread of this virus, but my goodness me, what I don't like about it is you've got these armed thugs like those in Kenya here who will think nothing of shooting someone who is black at the drop of a hat. They're doing it, of course, and doing it in mass numbers before this pandemic. And if you did that in this country of the US of A, it would give them even more license. Speaking of which, there's a story in Miami of a doctor, African-American, a black doctor, who was literally getting ready to help the homeless with supplies, with tests, with all kinds of things. He's standing in front of his own home and some idiot cop who's not wearing a mask, not wearing gloves, gets right in the doctor's face. Luckily, he had mask, he had a mask on, he had gloves on and started, and started asking, what are you doing here? Living, right, standing right in front of his home with all these supplies to help the homeless. And he handcuffs, the cop handcuffs this doctor and and gets right up in his face, shouts at him. The doctor says he could smell this guy's breath and feel the droplets of, of saliva flying onto his mask. This guy was trying to infect this doctor, this cop, white cop, got right up in his face, trying to infect this doctor handcuffed and the guy is spitting and and spitballing him getting in his face trying to provoke a reaction luckily the doctor's wife comes down and produces id because this cop wanted id so you think the best idea is to handcuff somebody and get in their face during a pandemic or at any time because the person standing in front of their home and doesn't have id so you handcuff them really florida I mean, that, that's just absolutely asinine, isn't it? At least I think it is. Luckily, his wife, who is as calm as the doctor was, came down, showed the ID, and then the cop, oh, okay, lets him go, un- uncuffs him and lets him go. Absolutely mindless. These police officers, some of whom absolutely are disgraceful. They're disgraceful, some of them. There are some cops who aren't like this, But there's too many cops all over the country who are like this. And I know there are some cops in New York and elsewhere who've lost their lives to this virus. So I, you know, I send condolences to their families. Sincere condolences to their families. And at the same time, there are too many other police officers who are doing things to people who are black, who are brown, 
that are way beyond against the law. You know, I've actually often asked myself, and I've asked people on Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L. Do you think that people's behavior will change after this pandemic is over? And most people have said yes so far. I don't know what the answer is to that. I would hope that people have cha will change. I, I just get this not so good feeling about that. I get this not so good feeling about people changing. In the moment, yes. Right now, yes, it's happening. It happened after 9-11 here in the US. But will that change? Will we see people change for good beyond that? What do you think? I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I, I lean towards the no option. But it wouldn't be the first time that I might be wrong or would be wrong. Poland pauses on its anti-abortion law. A vote was going to come that would have outlawed abortion throughout the entire country of Poland. And there is a dictator in Poland, by the way. That is a heavily Catholic country. And it would have been, again, this vote was scheduled to happen. Today, but they've has, they've scrapped the vote for now. And also, by the way, Facebook, they won't stop political ads, but they will handle and deal with misinformation on coronavirus. They are stepping up to their credit on this. Um, and are some, as are some other uh, platforms, I think YouTube is, uh, WhatsApp is, which is owned by Facebook, Instagram, I think as well. Owned by Facebook. What else isn't owned by Facebook? My goodness. And they are stepping up and they are really targeting messages that are lies about coronavirus or misinformation. Same thing. And they are flagging them. They are removing them. And they are warning everybody who may have interacted with that message that the message they interacted with is a complete lie or is misinformation. So good on Facebook for actually doing something positive for a change. Now, can you just scrap these harmful, lying ads that Donald Trump is sending out and that these other fringe organizations are sending out? Can you get rid of that? I mean, after all, of course, these are the folks that li liaisoned with Cambridge Analytica. Go and watch that documentary on Netflix, The Great Hack, which I believe is still on Netflix. Talks all about this. Facebook was intricately involved and they are still in Donald Trump trying to get re-elected a re-election they're not stopping those political ads that are lies oh coronavirus we can we can do something about we can stop that but not the lies that Donald Trump is telling you about coronavirus not the lies that he tells you in his campaign rallies every day not the lies that he spews on Facebook in ads that are complete lies oh, no 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 we're not going to let that we're going to keep that going you know, this hydro, this hydroxychloroquine, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll let him continue to peddle that lie on Facebook.
and one of the great songs from Gregory Isaacs as well, by the way, Night Nurse. And I want to talk about nurses now. Thank you for joining me. Welcome back to this edition of The Politocrat. Nurses under fire. And we've seen ads, at least out here in California, um, about nurses really facing a tremendous challenge and really being attacked, attacked unmercifully, quite frankly, by hospitals, by those, uh, you know, corporate hospital companies that are basically telling them, you go to work, don't wear a mask. You go to work, don't wear any other PPE. Don't wear any PPE at all. You've got the National Nurses United Union, and they are fighting on the front lines for better care for nurses, better protection for them, better weight, everything, better everything. Zenzi Cortez, who is the president of the National Nurses United Union, their ads run all, I mean, every few minutes and featuring her about what's going on with this situation. It is a really serious situation, by the way. National Nurses United. Nurses need to be protected. These are the front line. These individuals, these nurses are the front line. The lives of nurses, as I have pointed out during this episode, are at great risk. And right now, these nurses who are fighting for you need your help. I mean, they need your help. And we need to go to bat for them. National Nurses United. National Nurses United. On Twitter. NNU, National Nurses United, please go and look them up. They need our help. This is something that um, we all must do. Because we can thank nurses, we can thank doctors. But the real way that we thank them is to advocate for them. For testing for them, for a proper infrastructure, for more equipment that they can use. That's how we do that. I mean, that's how this happens. I mean, how else we how else would you do something like this? It's thanking them again is one thing. But you thank them by advocating for them. I mean, I don't know of any other way that you do something like this. Here's 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 a story here that um that I want to draw your attention to a couple of the stories by the way about this I really do want you to pay attention to this from the Associated Press California nurses suspended for refusing COVID-19 care without N95 mask Ten nurses have been suspended from their jobs at a Santa Monica, California hospital after refusing to care for coronavirus patients without being provided 
protective N95 face masks. You know, let me tell you something. This is, remember Donald Trump last week or the week before saying, well, where are these masks going? Uh, They must be going out the back door. You know, implying that nurses and doctors are stealing masks. Well, again, according, you know, Matt Hancock, the uh, UK health secretary, who is saying to nurses and doctors in the UK, hey, you know, you guys in the NHS, go easy on those masks. This, this is a commodity that you should be sparing with. I talked about this earlier this week. Now, now here is an article in the Associated Press. California nurses suspended for refusing COVID-19 care without N95 mask. Ten nurses have been suspended from their jobs at a Santa Monica, California hospital after refusing to care for coronavirus patients without being provided protective N95 face masks. One of those nurses says the decision was heart-wrenching, but after a colleague tested positive for the infection, he felt he had to take a stand. They are among hundreds of doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers across the U.S. who say they've been asked to work without adequate protection. Some have taken part in protests or lodged formal complaints. Others are buying or even making their own supplies. This is Martha Mendoza and Kimberly Cruzy, who are reporting this investigation for the Associated Press. This is absolutely obscene. This is fourth world. This is fourth world. No infrastructure, no morals, no laws, no organization, no planning, no protection. These nurses are fighting for you. They are saving lives and they are dying. They are being fired. They are being suspended. And they are dying. These are people who are saving your life. These are people who have saved many lives with this pandemic going on. Some of these nurses have come down with this virus. And what these hospitals do these healthcare people do who say they care about health but care really about their profits. Go back to work. You're not wearing a mask. Ah, no, 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 come on. You can do it. You don't have to wear no stinking mask. You're, you're treating patients who have the deadliest virus we've known. You go in there and don't wear a mask. You know what? If you wear a mask, we're firing you. That's what we'll do. We'll just fire you. You don't know. You don't need to wear a mask. N95 mask. You're a nurse. That's all. You're only a nurse. Tending to the sick. You know, you're only a nurse. You don't need no stinking mask. Get back to work. This is fourth world. I want you to listen to this. It is, of course, the nurses, the doctors, and all kinds of other medical professionals who are on the front lines of this coronavirus battlefield. And some say they are not equipped to go to war, and that is putting them at major risk. Action News investigative reporter Chad Pradelli spoke with one such worker about her fight for protection. He's now live at home with that story. Chad. Yeah, Brian, anytime you're dealing with PPE, it's a delicate issue. You have nurses trying to protect themselves. Then you have hospital policy. Now a local nurse says she was fired. A day after recovering from pneumonia, nurse Don Kulak says she went to work at Virtua Voorhees Hospital with her own N95 mask and a pair of gloves. They did not give us the okay to bring um, our own PPE from home. 
and they weren't providing it unless we are in certain COVID patient rooms. She says a supervisor quickly told her the equipment was against hospital policy. I told my manager, I said, you know, I, I don't feel uh, adequately protected and I'm not going to take off the mask. She says she was told to go home. It was the end of March. She and her union rep then met with administrators. I was given till 9 a.m. to tell them what my choice was, um, resignation or termination. They basically said, no, you're going to do it our way. Um, and like I said, it just doesn't make sense that they would terminate her. Virtual Voorhees tells Action News it can't comment on personal matters, but released a statement that reads in part, keeping our frontline health care workers safe is always our top priority. The hospital also says it follows CDC guidelines, provides gloves and masks, but only provides N95 masks for nurses treating COVID positive patients or those awaiting test results. The hospital also admits a week after it fired Kulak, policy was changed to allow nurses to bring N95 masks to work, but must cover it with a Virtua issued isolation mask and discard that daily. I do not believe that Virtua had any intention of changing their policy until one of the media stations aired my story. And Kulak and her union reps say they are fighting to get her job back. I'm yeah, yeah, they're fighting to get her job back. And good luck, Dawn Kulak. And good luck to every nurse in the very same situation. Here is a nurse, as you just heard. That was from Action 6 in Philadelphia. And um, that is their report there. And, you know, this, this is... And, and the the nurse involved there, Dawn Kulak, she's from southern New Jersey. Sicklerville. Interesting uh, name for a town, Sicklerville. Well, she was sick with pneumonia and she just came back from getting pneumonia. She went back to work and now they're telling her you can't wear a mask. Then they fired her. It was, again, as you heard, either you don't wear a mask or you lose your job. This is sick. And we really have to put the brakes on this. And that really means that these companies have to change their ways. I mean, if we're going to talk about, are we going to, if I'm going to raise the question about, well, are we going to change after this pandemic? Are we going to be changed as people? Are we going to treat each other with more compassion? Are we going to do that? Well, I think we should be asking these uh, healthcare corporations, which look for their profits. And I don't care if some of them are nonprofit or not. Virtua is supposedly this non-profit place, but it is not behaving like that if it is. Is Virtua Health going to change their ways? Are they going to now? Actually, they shouldn't wait until this pandemic kills more people. They should be changing their attitude now. And I would urge people to be calling Virtua Health, to be calling people who represent you. If you're in Philadelphia, if you're in New Jersey, in the, you know, Call your congressperson, call your senator in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania. You know, you've got two senators. You've got Pat Toomey, who's a Republican in Pennsylvania. You've got Bob Casey, who's the Democrat in Pennsylvania. Call these folks. Talk about virtue of health. You've got New Jersey. You've got two senators in New Jersey. You've got Cory Booker, the Democrat. And you've got, and my, his name now escapes me. The other Democrat, I think his name is Mar Martinez. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I've lost it. I just had his name on the tip of my tongue. You know who I'm talking about. Menendez. Thank you. I just remembered. Menendez. Senator Menendez in New Jersey as well. Also a Democrat. Call these folks. 202-225-3121. And say that this is, this is an absolute disgrace what's happening to these nurses. This is what has to be done. Let's spend, let's take 10 minutes out of our time to be activists. Let's do that. There is time that we have. We need to spend part of that time Meditating, doing mindfulness, exercising, connecting with our loved ones, with friends, with family. But also let's spend 10 minutes 
doing some of this because this is really important as well. All of those nurses have families. All of those nurses have friends and loved ones. And they are doing incredible work. They need better wages. They need better protection. They need PPE. This is why we must protect the front lines because infrastructure is so important. And this pandemic has laid bare the fact that infrastructure in this country, and I've talked about this a lot, infrastructure in this country is absolutely in the toilet. And we can do better and we must do better than this. We are really being exposed. The wealthiest country on the planet is a country that does not care about infrastructure. And I've told you why that is. You've got people who can afford it, rich people getting tests. Pub, you know, celebrities and athletes getting tests. But the average person, many of these nurses have not been tested. And they are trying to save lives. And they are saving lives of people who have COVID-19. And they themselves, these nurses, are also getting COVID-19. And this is happening coast to coast. Bodies piled up in morgues. Bodies in the corridors and hallways of hospitals in New York and elsewhere. We need to protect, respect, and give a damn about the nurses in this country. I'm Omar Moore. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. <laughs>